Glory to God. It's good to see all of you here today. How many of you are new to our church within the last year? Can I see your hands? Uh, a few of you in this service. Well, I gave John, a, Pastor John, a chance to preach today when I heard his trip got canceled for a while. But he said, no, I still want you to. So get your Bibles out. Pastor John will not be back here next Sunday. Pastor Pam will be doing next Sunday. But Pastor John will be back on Wednesday night. So he'll have a great word for you. I have a word for you that I believe God uh, gave to me early in the morning. Friday morning, about 3 a.m., I woke up. You know what it's like, honey, and John, I know you've experienced this too. These are the great times that you just, God just dumps a word right in your spirit. You wake up, you can't wait to write it all down. Then there are the other times you go to the park and you pray and say, please, God, let me hear what you have. So God has a word for you. Now, let's make sure we got the right group here, first of all. How many of you have areas in your mind where if you go there, and you stay there long enough, you will get discouraged. Can I see your hands? Okay, now this is worth the price of admission already. You ready for the answer to that? Let me see all the hands of the people. You have places where if you go, you get discouraged. Okay, you ready for the answer? Let's all say, I'm ready. Don't go there. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, don't go there. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, I'm no dummy. Don't go where you get discouraged. Go where you get encouraged. Get the Bible. Hold it up. If you got it memorized, I know why you didn't bring it. That's okay. Let's say it. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't be blessed. How many of you believe that? You should never be down a day in your life if you believe that. You should be up all the time. You should be coming and going as a blessing to people everywhere that you go. Now, before you're seated, i got to tell a quick story. Getting ready for this message, I was really excited, and I was talking to my lovely wife in my office not too long ago. How many of you have ever, at a drop of a hat, lost your temper, realizing that the old man is still very much alive? I now have a computer, at Computers Made Easy, that they tell me is going to cost about $260 for my temper tantrum. Everybody say, not too smart. Turn to your neighbor and say, not too smart. So I realized that I haven't arrived. This message will be good for me too. I know it'll be good for you. Turn to your neighbor tell them I want to get something out of it. You may be seated. And the word of the Lord today. <laughs> I had to laugh about it because otherwise I'd cried. <laughs> I just had a problem with my little laptop and, and Pam got it called Luann down in Florida, got it fixed for me with Luann's help, and it was just great. And in a moment's notice, I wiped it out, and the sign came on and said, you have a serious problem with your hard drive. And I thought, no, it's not my hard drive on that laptop. It's the hard drive between my two ears that had the problem. The laptop was working fine until, uh, until that happened. But this is the word of the Lord today. How many of you like to laugh a lot? Now, you hear me say this all the time if you've been around this church. If you don't laugh a lot and if you don't have a lot of joy in your life coming from you, that's most of your problem. Because life comes at you. This is an old Visa commercial. Life comes at you fast. 
Life comes at you fast. One person remembered it. Well, that was a lousy commercial. <laughs> life comes at you. The only good commercial is one you can remember. But life comes at you fast. And sometimes there are things that happen that we hadn't had them planned to happen, but they just happen. How you process the information determines whether you're going to be successful and whether you're going to go on, whether you're going to be happy, whether you're going to be ready for what this message is. Always tell yourself the truth. Everybody say that. One more time. One more time. Now, there's going to be a test on this because next week, the following week or whatever, when I'm around and I hear you talk and I know you're not telling yourself the truth, I'm going to say, why are you not telling yourself the truth? Now, what you've got to know is what is the truth based on? The truth is based on the Word of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible, go to the book of John, chapter 8. We're going to be reading some scripture there. And if you will constantly tell yourself the truth, you will change your entire life. And it is a proven message that will work time and time again. And we should be the most positive people on the face of the earth. We should be up all the time. We know that Jesus defeated the devil. He defeated powers. He defeated principalities. And I refuse to get down because of my broken laptop. I refuse to let that change who I am. I know who I am because God told me who I am. I am righteous. I am full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Full of something else when I devour that laptop. But I know who I am. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you know who you are? Well, do you know just what you did? That's not who I am. That's what I did, but that's not who I am. That's not the truth. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and so are you. It was settled at Calvary. So therefore, no matter what happens, we are up and not down. Let's say, I'm up. up. Not down. down. We're blessed coming. We're blessed going. We are the children of Almighty God. Jesus defeated the devil. He defeated powers. He defeated principalities. He gave all of that victory to us, and he said, you go out, and you do exactly what I did. You command the devil. You are in control. You are in authority. So we should be the most powerful people on the face of the earth, the most positive people on the face of the earth, and we have the truth. Let's say, I have the truth. So therefore, you should be positive all the time. Let me see the hands of all the people who like to laugh. All the people who don't like to laugh. We'll have a delivery service for you. None of you raised your hand. Not a single person. And I know that's not true, but that's okay. Because once you get discouraged and depressed, what's the last thing you want to do? Last thing you want to do is laugh. You don't want joy flowing. And if somebody comes around you that wants to get you that way, you get upset with them. Because you don't want to let the truth operate in your life when you get into that period. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But I I, I thought about this story. It's really a cute story. Don't know if it's true or not, but I like it. Little boy, second grade, came home, told his mom, said, I got a test tomorrow. She said, oh, well, honey, how are you going to do? And said, I'm, 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 I'm going to fail that test. I'm not going to do well on it at all. I don't know why I thought about Jack and Carter whenever I think about this story. But I'm not going to do well on that test at all. I'm going to, I don't think about Annabelle. I just think about Jack and Carter. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to fail that. And she said, honey, you need to be more positive than that. That is a wrong attitude. Little boy, second grade, thought about it for a while and said, you know, Mom, you're right. I'm positive I'm going to fail that test. <laughs> That's not exactly what the mom was trying to convey. But, but this is a true story. I know this is a true story. And Bonnie, our trustee, all the way from Tulsa, Oklahoma, give Bonnie Beetle a hand with us, helped us start this church back in 1989. Pam came to me one day when I was an intern ministry student in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
And she said, and, and they were giving me a lot of work, and, and I wasn't getting it done. I don't know if I was that busy or just that slow. But, but, but she said, there's a girl who's a VBI student that would make an excellent secretary for you, and uh, you, you need to see if she'll help you. So this was back in 1984. Bonnie became the first person that ever really helped me in ministry along with Pam. And uh, Pam said God showed her that she was supposed to be that person. And there were times when Bonnie would walk out of my office and slam the door and mumble that I would say, are you sure God told you she was that, <laughs> that person? But I would say to Bonnie, it's going to be all right. Everybody say it. It's going to be all right. Tell everybody say, Bonnie, it's going to be all right. Because that happened while she was with us the last couple of days. And I said something about, oh, it's going to be all right. She said, oh, my goodness. I had a flashback to Thoreau in Tulsa, Oklahoma when you were there. That's all you ever said. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you need to hear that. It's going to be all right. But this one is a true story. Billy Joe shared the story. And, and uh, it's a little boy. I think he was in the first grade. And correct me if I'm wrong, Pam. But little boy came home. And he's just got a little bit ornery there in the house. And his dad finally told him. Uh, you know, I'm going to get the rod of correction out. And out there, we believed in the rod of correction, used at the leading of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so he said, I'm going to get the rod of the correction out. And little boy, Billy, really trained in the Word of God and pumped at Victory Christian School in the Word of God. And Dad said, I'm going to get that uh, rod of correction out, and it's for your own good. And he said, the little boy looked up at him and said, no weapon formed against me will prosper. And, and the dad just kind of froze and stood there and as the story was relayed to us just kind of looked at the boy and started laughing and well I'm glad he's getting the truth and I'm glad he's getting the word of God that's what you want a little child to have now I don't know if he ended up with a rod of correction or not but but when you get so full of the word of God when you get squeezed it comes out otherwise what life will do to you it will disappoint you and the Word of God in John chapter 8, see, a lot of people, when they hear a message like, Everything's, 2012 is going to be a great year. How many of you believe that? I believe it's going to be a great year. How many of you believe there's going to be a lot of good things that happen in 2012? I would be remiss if I didn't tell you, I think there'll be a lot of bad things that'll happen also. I think there'll be a lot of good. I think there'll be a lot of bad. Where you focus will determine where you go with 2012. I don't think you're always going to have enough money in 2012. I think you hope you'll have enough money in 2012. I think there'll be some days it looks like you don't have enough money. What you do then will determine your outlook, whether you're going to be up or whether you're going to be down, whether you're going to be discouraged, whether you're going to be disappointed. I believe with all of my heart you're going to have great victories in 2012. How many would you say yes? yes. I believe with all of my heart that there are going to be some days you're going to be disappointed. I am disappointed that my laptop is at Computers Made Easy. I like those people over there, but I don't particularly like it when I am the fault of the laptop being there. I would rather blame Dell. I would rather blame Ted. I would rather blame anybody than where the blame really belongs. I can't even blame the devil because the devil is defeated. And a lot of people in the body of Christ are trying to blame the devil for what they do, for their anger, for their temper tantrums, for their lack of faith, for their lack of confidence in what Jesus already did. And they try to blame the devil. Now, the devil walks about as a roaring lion. Someday, if John ever lets me back up here, I have, I have this outfit that I don't even know where I found it. 
It is a devil outfit. I love it. The kids look at it in the garage and they say, what are you doing with this thing? And I said, someday I got an illustrated sermon. I'm going to use it and I'm going to get me a devil person. I'm going to dress them all up. Now, it's going to be one of you in the congregation. So you'll, you'll probably, Carter is going like me, me, me. There are probably some days mom and dad would say, yep, he would fit that part. No, I know that's not true, Carter. He's a wonderful kid. His sister believes that, but... but but we get to the point when, when, when we realize that I am in charge. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're in charge. That's part of the problem, isn't it? You're in charge. God left you in charge. God defeated the devil, powers, principalities, made a covenant with you by the blood of Jesus Christ and said, you're in charge. Now I want you to do exactly what I tell you to do. You live my word. I was thinking about this in John chapter 8, verse 31, 32 is where we're going there. When Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you're here today and you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you are free. You have everything that you need. You got it all. So whatever you're looking for, you already have it. Let's say it. I have it all. We have the ability to make money. We have the ability to have healing in our body. We have the ability to have righteousness on us and cloak us all of the time. We have the ability of a sound mind. We actually have, the, if you really understand Scripture, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ through the renewed mind in the Word of God. So therefore, everywhere we go, we are up. We are never down. We have the joy of the Lord. And everywhere we go, people see us and they wonder what's wrong with us because the world doesn't have what we have, but we have it. And if you get to that point in your life, then you start to walk in a new area and a new dimension in your life. Now, in this church, from the very beginning, we had a word that this would be very similar to what Victory was out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a spiritual restoration center. If you have a spiritual restoration center, what kind of people do normally come to you? People who need to be spiritually restored. I was thinking about this. I felt like the Lord gave me this example at Arnett, because uh, sometimes in our church, you, you, it, it would just be, and John, you're experiencing this now, sometimes it's one thing after another. It's like, Oh, my goodness, I can't believe this person's problems. Brad and Sandy, you deal with them all the time. You know what I'm talking about. And it's like, well, if you work at ER at Arnett Clinic, what do you expect? Nobody comes running in there and says, man, I'm feeling great today. I just wanted to stop by and tell you guys. Everything is awesome in my life. I'll see you later. And you know, that's not exactly what happens. People come in there and they say, hey, I need to fill up today. Give me six cents and I'll be better. And away you go. And they take care of you. And that's a private joke, but that's okay. And, and <laughs> we don't even need to go there. It's kind of like the laptop. And uh, <laughs> better to beat on a laptop than yourself. But you get to the point in your life when you feel like you can take on the world because you have been put in control. You have power, authority, and dominion. Let's say it. Power, Power. Authority, authority, and dominion. And everything, now listen, this is, the, this is good news, but it is an area of awareness on your part. Everything that you are, that you do, that you will become, and that you have been will flow right through your mind right here. Everybody point right here. My mind. Your mind. Is I was going to ask this question. I had this. I was thinking about this morning, just to kind of be cute and trap you. Who's the Who's the greatest influence in your life? Well, you're all going to say somebody, whatever. I'll tell you who the greatest influence in your life is. You. You are your greatest influence. What you think influences you more than anybody, including. Turn to your neighbor. And say this is not sacrilegious. 
including God. Because what you think will negate the will of God in your life. So that means you can take the things of God and you can put them out. Well, I don't want to be happy. That's negating the power of God. Because it's living something that is not the truth. We should live the truth always. We should always be telling ourselves the truth. What is the truth? I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. What is the truth? I have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I'm full of joy, peace, love. Smashed up that laptop, but I know I'm full of that other stuff. That was just a temporal release of something that was really junky. You all follow what I'm saying? And Pam said, amen. And you follow what I'm saying? In other words, you're not that temporal thing. You are what God says about you. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, Jeremiah 29, 11 basically talks about the plan that God has for your life. Plans for good. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. So what we've got to find out is, God, what is your plan? This happened recently, and I hope I'm not going to take too long on some side stories here, but I'll tell you, God put in 2005 the Sudan in my heart. It just, I think the Sudan all the time. I, I hardly ever think about anything but the Sudan. And there's all of these lines. And how many of you got some things God's showing you that is way beyond you? And if you try to figure them out, they will disappoint you because hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when God starts putting things in your, in your heart and you start to pursue them and you can't figure out how to handle them, how many of you are a figure-outer? If you can't figure it out, it's, well, see, that, that negates the faith in, in, in a person's life if they live their life that way because you'll try to figure things out. And Pam reminded me of this, but back in 2006, I was meeting with Stanley and Kampala, and just out of my spirit, I said, Stanley, if you had $50,000, what would you do? He said, $50,000? Where are we going to get $50,000? I said, I have no idea. He said, well, I, I don't know what I'd do with it, but I, I can use it all. And I said, well, give me a plan. So he gave us a plan for $50,000. About a year and a half later, God dropped in our heart a putt-putt golf tournament. We raised $50,000. God had all the money waiting for Stanley. Stanley was able to put it all to good use, and everything was taken care of. Now, we, we, last year, it was $70,000 that God gave to us, and we just put our faith in God. And, and now I was talking to Stanley the other day. Now, th- now this will blow your mind. But this is what came out of my spirit. Stanley, what would you do if you had a million dollars? Stanley says, a million dollars. Were we going to get a million dollars? I said, I have no idea. Now, I tell you this only because I don't want to do it after the fact and, you know, embellish it and all this. I don't know what's happening. But God put me in touch with a man who handles a foundation that distributes $50 million every year. And I was meeting with this man the other day and telling him about the 100,000 acres in the Sudan. And he said the same thing that some of you said when we first announced it. How many acres? 100,000 acres. He said, I've never heard of that many acres available. I said, it's not available. It's ours. <laughs> Stanley, Stanley has it all. The tribal chiefs gave it to him. He was so excited. And this is what he said to me. He said, well, I do know some people that are interested in that. He said, a couple of them I dealt with out in California. He said, one of them helped us develop this little bag over here that we're going to be using to help with uh, seed and things like this. He said, I don't know. I said, uh, this time I was talking to Bill and Melinda, and they, you know, they're kind of interested in that kind of stuff. And I said, Bill and Melinda, who's Bill and Melinda? <laughs> and uh, so then this guy goes on and talks a little bit while, and he says, he says, this is the kind of stuff the Gates Foundation's in. I said, Bill and Melinda, I know that name. I know who that is. 
So then this guy calls me up the other day, and we're talking. Well, actually, it was an email, and uh, and and he said, he said, there, there's a guy that you know that's going to be coming that I think you'd be interested in listening to. I said, well, yeah, who's that? He said, his name's Howard Buffett. I said, Howard Buffett. Howard Buffett. Well, that name sure sounds familiar. <laughs> Buffett. And I, so I went on the internet because I didn't know who exactly he was, and found out he's Warren Buffett's son. Well, he's got a couple of bucks. <laughs> the wealth of, we're going to change it from wicked to people. The wealth of people stored up for the righteous and the kingdom of God. Now, and you say, well, how do you know that's going to work out? I don't know what's going to work out. God is our source. All I know is if you'll be obedient to do what God tells you to do, God will do the rest. You do not have to do, now listen to this, you do not have to do the work to make things happen. All you have to do is do what God told you to do. There's a story in in, in uh, Second Chronicles, it, it's about uh, Jehoshaphat. I forget where it is now. Second Chronicles 30, somewhere. Well, it's there. It's there somewhere. And Jehoshaphat is all of a sudden surrounded by the enemy. And the first thing he did, he said, I'm doing what God, what you told me to do. I'm paraphrasing the whole thing. And, 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 but I don't know what to do, God. So I'm going to seek you. Turn to your name and tell him, that's a great idea. When you don't know what to do, why not ask God first instead of what many of us do, ask ourselves first and then go ask somebody else first or second. And, and then before you know it, you find, say, well, nothing else has worked. I think I'll ask God. Duh. Turn to your name and say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why not ask God first because in him is all truth. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that we should present our bodies a living sacrifice, pure, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service, that we could be conformed to the, uh, to the uh, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What renews your mind? The truth. If God wants a million dollars flowing to the South Sudan, it'll be flowing to the South Sudan. No man will get credit. God will get all of the credit for it. What could you do with a million dollars? I believe the South Sudan is going to be the breadbasket for the entire continent of Africa. I believe God is going to use it mightily, and I believe he strategically placed Stanley Lonathan in that position. I called, I called Stanley up the other day and said, Stanley, there are two things I want to do if this thing pursues. I feel like God put it in my heart. Number one, we need to meet with the head of agriculture for all of the Sudan. And uh, number two, we need to meet with the president, Salvacur. He said, the president? I said, yes. Don't you know him? I said, well, I know who he is. I said, we need to meet with him. He says, I don't know if I can do that. I said, that's unacceptable. I just finished reading Steve Jobs' book, his life story on, on Apple. I highly recommend it. Uh, it, uh, it. It's really an awesome book. People would come to him. <laughs> now, he was into Buddhism and all sorts of isms, and hopefully he got saved right toward the end, got the real truth. But, uh, but uh, people would come to him, and they'd say, that's impossible. And say, it is not impossible, and if you can't do it, I'll get somebody else. Glory to God, I love that. I used to tell Melba, Melba are you here today? Melba Campbell. Mel, Melba Campbell and Larry and Melba were handling up the care group. Do you remember that? And, 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 and Melba would say, I don't think we can do that. And I said, well, if you can't do it, I'm going to fire you and get somebody else. And, she, and sure enough, she'd go out and get the job done, come back, say, I got it done. I'd say, well, you got seniority then. You can stay a little bit while longer. Sometimes 
We just need to get somebody to encourage us to go to the next level. And that's what we need. You will never encourage somebody if you're down. You will never encourage somebody if you're disappointed. I know what it's like for my own life. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to be away from everybody. I take myself out of the scene of where I should be. And what happens is we get to the point when instead of having a renewed mind, we have that mind that is, 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 is focused on junk in our life. John 15, 7 and 8, which is a scripture that when I was first saved, one of the second or third scriptures I came across, I think the reason it was so uh, successful in my life of meditating all the time was, first of all, I learned it so I could remember it. <laughs> sometimes, so, you know, the scripture you sometimes have a tendency to remember is like, okay, I'm going to latch on to this. But so if you abide, Jesus said, if you abide in me, And my word abides in you. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. God wants us to be a fruit bearer. I want to tell you this story, and uh, I'm going to run out of time here, and I can't come back next time because Pam's here. But uh, but, but, (laughs) but no, no, I'm just kidding. But but years ago in this church, and some of you have heard this story, but this is the story that also woke me up at 3 o'clock in the morning by the Lord. But there used to be a girl in our church, a lady by the name of Alice. How many, how many of you remember the story of Alice? Alice was notorious in our church. She was truly, and I know some of you have heard this story before, she truly is the most negative person I've ever met in my life, <clears throat> ever, up until that point in time. There have been a few come close since then, but up until that point in time... <laughs> Alice was the type of person that if she would be walking down the hallway, I would think, oh, glory to God, what can I do? Which direction can I turn to get out? She would, I I don't care where you started a conversation, her next sentence would drag it down. You would feel like you'd been in spiritual warfare when you were around her. She was really, really bad. Uh, And and I knew I was wrong in the way I felt about her, but I also knew how I felt about her. (laughs) And it was like that. And finally, one day... I don't know if it was the Lord or not. I hope it was. I think it was. Matter of fact, I'm sure it was because of the fruit that was born out of it. Because of the fruit that was born out of it. I think, I hope, I should, I would. <laughs> but, but anyway, one day I just said, Alice, I said, I, I, I don't want you uh, ever to talk to me again. I don't want to ever hear you say, can't you just hear me say that? <laughs> I don't want to ever hear you say another word to me again unless it's encouraging, exhorting, edifying, and uplifting. It's got to be positive. Otherwise, I don't want you to say ever again a word to me. She looked at me like this. I could see the wheels clicking. Finally, she got up. Okay. Where she went. Next time I saw her coming down the hallway, she looked at me and she stopped. I know what was happening. She's going like, Pastor Bill, it's a nice day. Good job, Alice. Awesome day. We begin to live our life like that. I begin to find out that Alice had a master's in, I forget exactly what it was, but she was a pharmacist. And she had been a pharmacist. She had been through a horrible situation 
uh, divorce years ago in her life and family situation. And I mean, she really had been through a horrible situation. Her, her mind and her disappointment and discouragement and really a depressive spirit that got on her was horrible. Over a period of time, Alice absolutely had her mind transformed. Nothing that she had been through changed, but her mind changed. You change a mind, you change a person. And, uh, and her mind began to change. And she ended up with a little confidence at first, and a little, little bit more. She eventually went out and interviewed at Soldier's Home and went to work in their pharmaceutical department. Now, I'm leading up to things because turn to your neighbor and say, 2012, great year. Full of wonderful victories. Full of disappointments. How you handle both will determine whether or not you had a good year. Will there be a lot of victories? Yes. It'd be like taking a prize fighter if you didn't tell somebody you're going to have face disappointments. You're going to get in the ring, and you're going to knock everybody out, and nobody will ever lay a glove on you. Duh. You better learn to take a hit somewhere along the line, or you're not going to get back up. And one day somebody's going to hit you. You say, where's that guy who said I'd never get hit? You will get hit. Tell your neighbor, you will get hit. How you handle the hit is what's going to determine the outcome of your life. And so, so anyway, Alice... This is the fun part for those of you who haven't heard the story before. It's fun now. At the time, it wasn't. But Alice grew to where I looked forward to seeing her. Every time she came, she had positive, encouraging, exhorting, uplifting stories. And she would be coming in. One day, she came in and said, Pastor Bill, i got to talk to you. And I said, oh, great, Alice. Looking forward to talking to you. What do you got? She said, well, I just want you to know. I just love you and Pastor Pam. And I love the church and all that. But I found another church. Over in West Lafayette, that little Bible church there on uh, that street you live on. And, and I'm going to start going there. I just like those people. They're, they're more my age. And I'm thinking, I used to get so excited to see her. And now I find out I don't like her all over again. <laughs> and then God got a hold of me. And it's like, Alice, I am, I am, if you're happy, I'm happy. And Alice left our church, although you said she was back here a few years ago. Or? She came to see us. Yeah, she came to see us once. Then. But you know what? This lady's life changed. Now, the reason it changed is because she started telling herself the truth. Let's all say, always tell yourself the truth. Now, the devil wants a hold of your thought life. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast every care upon the Lord. How many cares? Every cares. Now, the word care, and if you've been around here for a while, you've heard me teach this a lot, and John's taught it, and Pam's taught it. But the word care is a distraction. Whatever distraction is trying to get you to focus upon it, get rid of it quickly. Because what will happen, it will affect your mind. It says the devil, it goes right on after that, casting the care, getting rid of it. And it basically says, basically this is what it means. If you've got a distraction in your life and you don't know what to do about it, don't think about it. Get rid of it. Give it to the Lord. Don't be trying to figure it all out and control the situation. There are a lot of people in the body of Christ, the real problem is they're a controller. They have to be in control, and if they're not, then they get upset. And, and there are areas in your life, most of the areas in your life, where you, they're beyond your control. The things God's showing you. You don't know how to do it. It's beyond you. And so what happens is you've got to cast that care. It says your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. The only way he can destroy you, because you have the victory, the only way he can destroy you is for you to think bad thoughts. And this is how he does it. It's the same for you. It's the same for me. It's the same for all of us. It's a three-step process. Number one, 
you will face a disappointment. Tell your neighbor, you will face a disappointment. If you don't handle that disappointment, then what will happen is that you will eventually become discouraged. You become disappointed for a while. We will all become disappointed. Once you're disappointed for a while, it will make you discouraged. All discouragement is a lack of courage. So once you have discourage, you will start to back away from the truth of the Word of God. You won't meditate the Word of God. You won't live the Word of God. And before you know it then, that one leads directly into depression. A lot of people in the body of Christ today are depressed and they think it's the devil. Turn to your neighbor and say, devil cannot depress you. (laughs) Devil's a defeated foe. He can't depress you. We had a guy in our church years ago, years and years and years ago. I bet I'm running along. Glory to God. Uh, years and years ago, named Chuck Fate. How many of you remember Chuck Fate? Chuck Fate was one of the funnest guys I've ever been around. The, oh, how many of you remember Chuck Fate? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Most of you don't. Chuck Fate, the first time he came to the altar, we had a piano sitting right over here. My, my mother-in-law was praying. He came to the altar up here, and, he, and I went to pray for him, and he started barking like a dog. Woof, woof, woof. <laughs> He's barking like a dog. And, and we prayed for him and tried to get his, that enemy cast out of him, the devil, and, and get him saved, really, first of all. Because once you get saved, you have all the power authority you need. Your mind's not renewed, but you have everything you need once you get saved. He came back the following Sunday, and he's standing at the altar. I went to pray for him again. He came down for the altar call. And then I went to pray for him. and said, I'm going to kill you. I thought, ooh, that sounds serious. You know, <laughs> prayed for him. Well, to make a long story short, he, he was on more medication than about anybody I've ever known. He was diagnosed as a bipolar. We got him into the Word of God, got him into a little bit of Bible school and some other things. And he got his mind transformed. And he absolutely got turned around. He was absolutely awesome. He went to the doctor and said, I don't need that medicine anymore. Now, I'm not telling you, don't take your medicine. So turn to your neighbor and say, take your medicine. That's between you and your doctor and the Holy Spirit. But uh, <laughs> it's not... This doctor told me, did I tell you the story about this cardiologist? I said, you know that one medicine, I don't like to take that thing. He said, well, you don't have to take it, but you won't live a long life. <laughs> I, I came out of there, and I thought, you know what, I like the way that guy talks. I, I can relate to you, buddy. <laughs> he, is, he, is really, he is really a hilarious guy. But, but Chuck, he, he absolutely changed, and what it was was it, it renewed his mind. Proverbs 12.25 says this. <laughs> can't remember what it said. <laughs> Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of man. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been up here. <laughs> anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. I wonder if that's why the truth of the Word of God says in Philippians 4, be anxious for, be anxious for, be anxious for? Nothing. Now, let me show you how this works. Are you ready? Turn to your neighbor and say, I promise to be honest. Let's see the hands of all the people that from time to time you get anxiety and anxiousness in your life. Everybody look around. Oh, get a hands up higher now. Look around. Okay? Now, look at all those people, including yourself, and say, not too smart. Not too smart. Not too smart. Who causes you to be anxious? You know what you're going to say? My aunt, my uncle, my dog, my wife, my cat, the people, the church, the pastor, whatever. No, 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 no. You know who causes you to be anxious? You do. You're the greatest influencer in your life. It comes right out of your mind. If you get anxious, it's your fault. Because God said, don't do that. 
If there's a place in your mind that makes you anxious and you go there and you get anxious, what should you stop doing? You, there's an old country and western song. I used to love country. I still like country and western music. You just can't find any good words. When I was a senior, when I was a senior in high school, number one country western song, I'll pick you up on my way down. <laughs> but there is one out now, and I can't think of the name of it, but I like one of the lyrics. It says, in the corner of my mind stands a jukebox. <laughs> and it plays all the songs about my baby left me and... My dog ran away and cat got bit by, so I don't know, whatever. <laughs> well, you don't want to go to those places. And every once in a while, seriously, every once in a while, I will have on a country western station in my car. And some of the songs are pretty good. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, glory to God. It can take you back to where you were. And all of a sudden you're thinking thoughts of how bad it is instead of how good it is. Let's all say, we got it good. We're not who we used to be, but we're not yet who we're going to be either. Because we're going from glory to glory to glory. Now, I'm going to give you just a quick recap here of, uh, of uh, <clears throat> Luke chapter 10. And John has shared on this scripture recently. And I'll just recap the whole thing. But it's the story of Mary and Martha. Oh, do, do we have that? Oh, I forgot all about it. Put the lady up there, uh, whoever's got it. Uh, Caitlin, is that you? Okay, everybody look at this lady. What do you see? Now, some of you, if you've been in business for a while, you know about it. They use this in a lot of leadership. Okay, what do you see when you look at that picture? How many of you see an old lady? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Everybody, if you see an old lady, okay. How many of you see a beautiful lady? Oh, glory to God. We got the right group here. 90% of you see a beautiful lady. But you know what? If you just glance at it without looking carefully, can you see an old, ugly, witchy-looking lady with a long nose? Now, two people can look at that, and they can see two different things, can't they? The beauty of that, for some people, you have to look a little bit longer and say, that's a very young, pretty girl. And that's her ear, and that's her hair. Okay, you can take it down. Okay. Now, now... The story I want to tell you is the story about Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. Jesus. What happened? Did I, see, did I do something wrong? Oh. <laughs> I thought maybe I goofed up. I could goof up. I better get away from Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien makes me laugh, and Sue says, and Sue says don't do that. It just eggs them on. <clears throat> So Mary and Martha, Jesus comes to their house. And, and you know the story. Basically, they are both sitting at the feet of Jesus. And they're both excited to see Jesus. And all of a sudden, one has one set of thoughts and one has another set. Mary says, man, I'm sitting at the feet. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, it doesn't say this exactly. Mary says, this is Jesus, the Son of God. I'm going to sit here and bask in His glory and listen to what He has to say. And Martha, sitting at the same place, they both sat together at the feet of Jesus. Martha said, oh, I've got to do the dishes. I've got to run the vacuum. I've got to get up and get things ready. The Son of God can wait till later on, man. I've got a house to clean. Whoa! Who was meditating truth and who wasn't? Mary was into the truth. Martha was into a bunch of junk in her life. And finally she came back and said, Jesus, Mary hasn't moved. She's still sitting there going, ooh, it's you. And I'm doing all the work. What are you going to do? And he says, Martha, Martha, 
You are worried and troubled about many things, but Mary has chosen the good part. It starts out by saying Martha became distracted. You have to be careful that you do not become distracted. A care is a distraction. You look at your bank book and you say that I don't have enough money to pay the bills. That can be a distraction. It may be a temporal truth, but it's a distraction. uh, Philippians 4.19 says that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That's what I say. All my needs are met. Why? Because I'm always going to tell myself the truth. The word of God is truth. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know that God will supply all of my needs. I know that I have the mind of Christ. And you start always meditating the truth of the word of God, you will operate in a different plane. And Jesus basically said to her, look, you guys, you got to get your act together. Mary has chosen the good part. Turn to your neighbor and say, choose the good part. What's the good part? The good part is the truth of the word of God. Philippians chapter 4 tells us that we should be anxious for nothing. I was talking to John Beale, Pam's husband, just the other day, and, uh, her father. <laughs> John Beale, her father. <clears throat> and he said, you know, I think Philippians 4 is one of my favorite verses, uh, chapters in the entire Bible. And I said, me too, John. I said, it talks about all the things that we should be uh, entering into. It talks about the unity and the spirit and all of those types of things. And it talks about how I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It talks about, about uh, uh, all, of, all, of, all of the good things that are contained there. And, and that if we live that, it, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to the Lord. And God will give you those things. And then the peace of God will guard your heart and guard your mind through Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to tell you what to think. Think things that are good, praiseworthy, uh, uh, of a good report. And if, doesn't, and if it doesn't bring good things into your life, don't think about that. Don't think about the bad things. Uh, Bill, Bill Buckmiller. What are you going to think? Well, let's, let's believe he gets healed. Well, what if he doesn't? What if he dies? Well, he knows Jesus, and he's going to wake up with Jesus because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But what about the disappointment that Mike will feel that his dad is gone? He'll be able to replace that with great memories. Well, what about the memories that weren't so great? How many of you got great memories with family and some that weren't so great? Well, it's a no-brainer. Turn here, it's a no-brainer. Concentrate on the great memories. Uh, my, my desire is that when, when I am gone, these guys are going to remember all the bad, uh, the good things. <laughs> Just, because I know there are a bunch of bad things. I know there are a bunch of things that you could think about. But there's always good. So you say, okay, the truth is that I am told by God that I'm supposed to think about the good report. So therefore, I'll always think about what is a good report. Let me see. I'm about to think this. Uh, every once in a while, I think about that laptop. I really do. It's been on my heart. I think, I'm not going to think that. I, I did that, but I'm, that's not me. That was somebody else. <laughs> I, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> that laptop, if it could speak, and that hard drive. There is a hard drive, right? You think the hard drive remembers what you did to it? <laughs> He's not a nice guy. He beat the crap out of me. (laughs) Romans 8.28 says, and this is the key to life. It really is the essence of life. This is really the essence of life. Romans 8.28. All things will work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So what's going to happen? It's going to work for good. I thought this today, John, when I was shaving. I was thinking about that container, and I thought, you know what? 
That container is going to get there at the right time in the right place with the right people. It's all going to work out. There might have been pirates, bandits, who knows on the road. And God said, the only way I can stop it is to break the truck down. Did he break the truck down? I don't know. But I know this. He's going to use the truck breakdown for good and not for bad because that's the kind of God that we choose. Let's stand to our feet. God's going to take care of everything in your We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.